God told me this movie will write itself Spread love, be wise and let foolery fight itself Cause it's a war going on outside On the corner, it's a war On your TV screen every morning Not the war with the bombs and the helicopters swarming But the war for your soul That's what everyone's ignoring It's a war going on Yeah, it's a war going on Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pursuit of Truth podcast. My name is Will. I'm your host. Today's date is August 10th, 2021. This is going to be episode number 80. It's going to be called There is Nothing New Under the Sun. So I hope that you're all having a blessed Tuesday. I hope you all had a great Monday as well. Um, I actually took a couple days off. I had about four days off of work, so that was really, really nice. And um, yeah, I got got to learn some really, really exciting things and you know just taking a look at everything i do on my podcast and things like that and i have decided to go in a slightly different direction here you know and whenever i do my podcast you know i actually listen to a lot of other people i I listen to a lot of other people's podcasts i I listen to a lot of other people like you know people like uh, ben shapiro people like larry elder people like that uh candace owens people like that and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, actually, throughout a day. I'll probably, you know, when I'm at work, I drive around a lot at work, so I'll be probably listening to about seven or eight pod, seven or eight or nine, seven, eight or nine different people, you know, and I try to always write stuff down and formulate ideas because so many people have great ideas. And there's a lot of pastors I listen to on YouTube, people like uh, John Haji that you heard me uh, put on my last episode. I He's he's a favorite of mine, and I really like Perry Stone. Perry Stone's probably, like, my favorite YouTube pastor to listen to right and so um you know i there's there's a lot of stuff i gotta bring i'm gonna start bringing more of the bible into a lot of this stuff because i just thinking about stuff and a lot of this stuff correlates to the bible and how the bible actually talked about talks about how there's nothing new under the sun it's uh comes from ecclesiastes chapter one um verse nine it says what has been will be again what has been done will be done again there is nothing new under the sun and so that's where I got my title from, um, because I just want to let you know that um, I read my Bible, and I try my best to read it every day. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm just holier than thou. I try my best to read it every day, and when I read when I read verses in the Bible, <clears throat> or I read the Bible, um, I don't try to memorize anything. You know, uh, it's just that verses will just come to my mind in certain situations when I'm thinking about things. And I know that some people out there actually have to like sit there and try to memorize certain verses, but I, I never try to memorize certain verses. It's just there's a lot of things that, that are in the Bible that are, uh, you know, really great information. Um, and well, all of it's really great information, but some things stick out to me more than others. And the things that really stick out to me, I have a good, I have a good memory, a good recollection of those things. It's just like uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from uh, the book of Exodus. And this comes from Exodus chapter 34. And the verse I'm talking about, uh, it's pretty much uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and uh, 6 through 7, 6 and 7. Um, so pretty much for the uh, pretext here, for the, uh, you know, for the context here, um, Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and Moses um, was actually told by the Lord to chisel, chisel out two stone tablets and he's going to write um, words that God tells him to write, right? And so this is, you know, Moses up there on Mount Sinai. And then after all this, Moses goes down and the Israelites are worshiping the golden calf and things like that. So this is in between that. So Moses goes up and then it's this is this event here is in between when uh, Moses goes up to the mountain and him coming down, seeing the Israelites worship the golden calf. Right. And his brother Aaron. 
right? And so Moses wanted to see God and God told Moses that no man can see me and live, right? Because it's the thing is that God is so holy that just, you know, I haven't pondered that yet, but God is just so holy that it'll just, it'll just kill you, your flesh, because the flesh is evil, you know, and because uh, God does not look upon sin. And so Moses told God that he wanted to see him. And then God was saying that, okay, there's a place I'm going to hide you in the, pretty much there's a place I'm going to hide you in the rocks so that you can see my backside as I pass by. And I'm going to start at verse four here. So this is uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse four. It says, so Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name the Lord. Okay, so here goes verse 6. Verses 6 and 7, which are pretty much uh, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. It goes like this. It says, quote, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and... Excuse me. He punishes the children and the, and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Unquote. And that right there is one of my favorite verses or passages uh, in the Bible, because when people ask me who is God to me, that's pretty much what I I think about a compassionate and gracious God who is slow to anger and who has loved me through so many different things. And he's been faithful to me. And uh, he's maintained his love to me and forgive he's forgiven my my wickedness and my rebellion and my sin. And, you know, it just like I guess I tell people every time that you maybe you'll sin, maybe you'll mess up and do something wrong. Um, the thing is that you don't want to wait and ask God for forgiveness. You know, you don't want to you know, you don't want to do this. I, I just had I had a problem. I was doing that for a little while. I would wait until I felt like I was like worthy to like ask forgiveness. But remember, uh, David after David uh, slept with Bathsheba and pretty much got Uriah murdered, um, David had, you know, he didn't ask for forgiveness for a long time. And it pretty much tortured David. David pretty much had a lot of trouble with that. It was hard for him to sleep and things like that. And so I just want to tell you, like, when you when you do wrong, just at, you have to just admit it, do your best, and get back on the horse and go again. Don't sit there and, you know, try to... Uh, act as if you can't get back on the horse. Okay, God wants you to get back on the horse as soon as you can and continue. All right, so when you look at everything that's going on in our country, we know that our country is pretty much, it's pretty much a mess. You know, we're seeing the inflation. You know, CEOs of companies are warning that we're going to see food prices hit all-time highs in like September and things like that. And we know about the infrastructure bill that uh, had pretty much nothing to do with infrastructure, how they were giving like money to the uh, EPA and the DOJ and just paying people out money in like Utah and Massachusetts, just paying people out money, right, for their loyalty to the enemy, right? And I also want to tell you that the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. The love of money is the root of all evil because pretty much people will do anything for money. Say, hey, you go kill that guy, I'll give you 100000 you know? Um, and so... Trump actually did confirm that this is the beginning of the Green New Deal or a Great Reset. And people are actually watching the economy unfold. And only at the precipice will pe people demand change. So people have to, like, suffer more. Because I'm actually going to read to you uh, a, a certain thing in Judges, in the book of Judges, when people actually have to suffer 
uh, in order to change. And it just shows it throughout the Bible, right? Like I said, there's nothing new under the sun. People had to do it thousands of years ago. The Israelites in the book of Judges, you know, in the book of Deuteronomy, the Deuteronomic cycle. And people have to do it today. It's the same thing, you know. And so the this is all prepared. The, the Patriots are pretty much, they prepared the pieces of the plan during the Trump presidency um, to ward off all this stuff and fend off and uh, actually ultimately defeat the enemy. When, uh, when things come to a head here, and I'm actually, I'm actually going to show you a lot of that stuff. And so once all the pieces are in place, uh, the plan was ready for liftoff. And so the enemy was actually being monitored by multiple agencies, and they monitored big tech communication, fake, fake news communications like CNN, Fox, MSNBC, the corrupt politicians. And I want you to know that the FISA works both ways. You know how they use the FISA, they got the FISA warrant to spy on Trump. Pretty much, uh, you know, the Patriots can turn that around and use that on them as well. And so the Guardians of Intelligence, which is the Space Force, they've actually been monitoring this this thing the entire time. Remember that uh, when Jen Psaki, the press secretary for the White House for Joe Biden, Jen Psaki was actually asked about the Space Force and she just said, oh, it's just a plane. It's just and Jen Psaki admitted that they were not able to get into contact with the United States Space Force. So that has to uh, tell you something there. If the supposed president, if the supposed Biden administration can't get into contact with the, a branch of the military, something's going on there. Right. And so how do you bring the enemy down all at once? What you do is that you let them commit the crime, you monitor their activity, and then you spring a trap. OK, Trump did mention John Durham again. And the question is, is something about to drop? OK, and I want you to know that we are going to hold these people accountable for the things that, they, that they've done. I know you can't see it. I know you cannot see it, but the things that you have to trust in God, because God says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Because the enemy is doing all these things out here and they're just running rampant. It's just their unbridled assault on us, you and me, we the people. Right. And I want you to notice that Proverbs 16, 9 says this. It says in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Unquote there. Now, stop. And um, so I want you to let I want to let you know that the enemy tries to plan their own course. And even me and you try to plan our own course in life. But it's God who establishes our steps. And if you know that God is 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 great and God is good, then it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. Now, you may be asking yourself, oh, you know, how is this going to get done? You know, how, how, how are we going to get through this? The thing is that I want you to know that God is a lot more practical than you give him credit for. It's like, uh, it's like something I, you know, one of the examples I'll, I'll, I'll give is this. Okay. So yes, in, in, the, in the book of Genesis, you know, God did create, you know, the trees and everything like that, and then shrubs and plants. And in my personal opinion, because I've seen God work in practical ways, I think that God created seeds that then grew into trees. I don't think that he just, and the trees were just there. I think that he created the, the seed in the soil and it then grew into a tree. That's the example that I would use. God could, God can create a tree, but he would rather create a seed that will grow into a tree. And then a lot of times in the Bible, you'll see a uh, tree is uh, a double meaning for a person a lot of the times, like oak trees, and you'll see that in the Bible. 
and things like that. It's like, and you have to look at God is developing our personalities. Um, it's like, why would, why would God let us just skip right to the end where we are just who we're supposed to be and everything's good because we've just already just, why would God allow us to have these automatic development? He wouldn't. Um, he can, but he just, he doesn't work that way. It's just, he, God would rather bring you through things so that you can remember the things that you've been through. Okay. Because we, if, if we look at the book of Judges, the book of Judges, um, chapter two, verse 10 says, quote, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel, unquote. And so the thing is like, you know, bringing Israel out of Egypt, bringing them out of the desert, leading them through the desert, defeating their enemies like the Philistines and people like that, uh, conquering the land, getting to the promised land. And the generation, they knew not the Lord and they forgot. And so when they forgot or did not recognize what God had done for their ancestors, ancestors, excuse me, and how good that they had life, God allowed them to be enslaved again, you know, and that's the same thing that we see happening with our country right now. And so I'm going to bring you back to the book of Judges in just a second here, but um, I was actually scroll, I was actually I actually opened my Bible and I was going towards the book of Judges and I was looking, uh, I was going to start looking for um, things I was going to read in the book of Judges. And I just happened to stumble upon uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 when I was flipping pages and I just read part of it and I felt like that's something I wanted to say on here. And if you don't know, Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I think it's great. Now, if we look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and look at verse 17, it was talking about a a generation, uh, a new ge a generation that came up and how they had forsaken the Lord, right? And so in Deuteronomy, the Bible was saying, uh, it was starting at chapter 17, excuse me, verse 17, they're saying, quote, they sacrificed to false gods, which are not God, gods they had not known. Gods that recently appeared, gods your ancestors did not fear. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw this and rejected them because he was angered by his sons and daughters. I will hide my face from them, he said, and see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children who are unfaithful. They made me jealous by what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding for a fire will be kindled by my wrath. One that burns down the realm, excuse me, one that burns down to the realm of the dead below. It will devour the earth and its and its harvest and set afire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap calamities on them and spend my arrows against them. I will send wasting famine against them, consuming pestilence and dead and deadly plague. I will send against them the fangs of the wild beasts and the venom of vipers that glide in the dust. In the street, the sword will make them childless. In their homes, terror will reign. The young men and women will perish, the infants and those with gray hair. I said I would scatter them, erase them from, excuse me, erase their name from human memory. But I dreaded the taunt of the enemy, lest the adversary misunderstand and say, Our hand has triumphed. The Lord has not done all this. 
Now, that was pretty much talking about uh, the scattering part, you know, how God was pretty much going to scatter them from the promised land. Uh, I think it's called I think it's called Diaspora when the Jews were uh, sent out of the promised land. Uh, they were conquered and sent out of the promised land. And you had that's why you had a lot of Jewish people in places like Europe, Germany and places like that. All right. And so I want to take you back to the book of Judges. Now we're looking at uh, Judges chapter three and um, verse seven says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel. So he sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishathim, king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject to for eight years. But when they cried out for the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them, right? And then we're going to skip down to verse 12. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. and He gave them a, de a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, son of Gera, the Benjamites. The Israelites sent him uh, with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, and he saved the Israelites again, pretty much. And then we we skip to chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. So, that's what we're seeing. So, pretty much in this cycle, I could go on forever because this keeps going. And pretty much what we're seeing is that when a nation of people that was committed to God starts to turn, God allows them to be captured or enslaved. It could be mental slavery. It could be physical slavery. Uh, God could give them over to a depraved mind, like he said in the book of Romans. That's actually uh, the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 28. It says, furthermore, as they did not think it worthwhile to retain, retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done and so one thing you notice that you know uh, as we saw in the book of judges people will turn away from god and within something then calamity will strike and then they'll be all turning running back to the church like you know look at 9 11 uh, after after 9 11 uh, happened people were running back to the church the churches were full and then people just uh, started to fade away slowly um you, you see calamity has to happen in order for people to uh, remain and it's unfortunate now i'm i'm not gonna i'm not calling out any names here but one thing i i always saw my parents laugh kind of laugh about it or you know they don't really laugh about it but they're they're kind of they know what i mean when i talk about this they they you know if they listen to this they know exactly what i'm talking about because i've talked to them about this before i've said it many times and that is you see certain people at church for a week or two maybe maybe even a month and then they'll leave and you won't see them for a long time. And then the next time they come to church, they're hooping and hollering and crying at the altar when they're praying. They're just so loud and just like, come on. And then you don't see them for two and a half months and they come back and they're hooping and hollering again. You know, it's like they only come when something is wrong. You know, and don't be like that. OK, why do you want to just keep going through this stuff just like the Israelites in the book of Judges? Why do, don't keep doing that? Okay, it's better to just stay on God's side so you don't have to deal with any of that. It's like there's a song that goes from my childhood. I remember it says, it goes, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we 
often bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I remember hearing my grandmother sing that song. Uh, that's the first time I ever heard it when she was, my grandmother was singing that song. And when, as I got older, I started to recognize like, like, dude, like that is just so accurate. Okay. Now there's only one way out from this cycle. Okay. From the cycle that we saw in the Israelites and America has been going through this cycle as well. I could give more examples, but, you know, I got to, for time's sake, I got to keep going here. So what is the way out? Well, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Because you have to know that uh, pretty much, you know, you know, and I know that the United States has become a very, very, well, and even more sinful nation and the bible talks about something called the cup of iniquity and there are a couple things that fill the cup of iniquity there's probably more than i'm going to state but uh one of those things is violence against the righteous right and then another one of those things is shedding of innocent blood like abortion and things like that so abortion really uh something that will fill the cup of iniquity and so i want you to notice that god pretty much has a consistent pattern of how he you know deals with mankind so number one is that when 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 people or nations become corrupt god first sends a warning uh with his servants uh who are prophets number two people and nations typically actually reject that messenger and the message number three god then responds by sending a destroyer and then after the dust settles number four god begins a process of restoration and then number five god brings the destruction upon the destroyer because of his pride and arrogance now I will, I, in my opinion, I think that the United States, I think that we're at number three, where God then responds by sending a destroyer, because this administration that is in power right now was installed by the CCP, and I, again, I say that because there's SQL data on the Dominion voting machines, and SQL data allows someone to manipulate databases and change it, and things like that, and flip votes, and things like that, and the Dominion voting machines uh, came in, come in packaging that says, made in China, and we know that the Chinese always put spyware on the technology that comes from them, because we've seen that the United States has banned things like Huawei, and Hikvision, and things like that, because of the spyware and the technology that's sent back to China, and we've also seen China, you know, build parliament buildings for other countries, and then install spyware in there to gain information, and things like that, so I think that we're at number three, where God has allowed this uh, a uh, foreign power to install an administration in the United States, and they're pretty much destroying us right now. Look at the inflation, look at the war, look at the poverty, look at, look at everything that's going on. You know, look at the gas prices, and look at just look at everything that's going on. You know, look at the politics, look at the you know the vaccine mandates that they're going to start implementing. Like, like I know the military has to get it done by September fifteenth, and that's the funny part because most people in the military, well, a lot of people in the military are against the vaccine mandate, and the federal government is mandating it by September fifteenth. So that's interesting how that's going to pretty much play out. And so number four, God begins a process of restoration. I think that God is has began the process of restoration you know because as we saw in the book of judges you had a a lot of times where the, the book of judges clearly stated that the israelites again did evil in the sight of the lord and the lord allowed them to be enslaved and so i think that's what happened to our nation we uh you know we had been we had been enslaved for a long time i think at least since 1913 and probably even before that, but I think when 1913, the financial slavery uh, started and you had the Federal Reserve 
uh, coming coming to fruition. And I think that God uh, started his restoration with the election of Donald Trump. And believe me, I am no Trump fanatic. It's just that the things I saw, what, what Trump was doing uh, when he was in office, that that's uh, one of the reasons why I think I can say that because of he, uh, you know, saying things like uh, putting America first and returning America, you know, and things like having the strongest currency in the world, uh, energy independence, low gas prices, uh, low unemployment and things like that. And also Donald Trump did say this one time. Masks, no masks, everything. You can do all you want. But, you know, you still need help from the boss. We need help from the boss. That's what happened. We need help. Yeah, we need help. It's all right to say. Now, they'll criticize me for that. How dare he say that? How dare he say that? No, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Somebody said to me the other day, you're the most famous person in the world by far. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. They said, yes, you are. I said, no. They said, who's more famous? I said, Jesus Christ. I'm not taking any chances. I'm not going to have an argument. Hey, I'm not having any arguments. Jesus Christ. And he also said this. The Son of God came into the world in a humble stable. As Christians everywhere know, the birth of our Lord and Savior changed history forever. At Christmas, we give thanks to God and that God sent his only son to die for us and to offer everlasting peace to all humanity. More than two millennia after the birth of Jesus Christ, his teachings continue to inspire and uplift billions and billions of people all over the globe. His divine word still fills our hearts with hope and faith, and Christians everywhere still strive to live by Jesus' timeless commandment to his disciples, love one another. Above all, during the sacred season, our souls are full of thanks and praise for Almighty God for sending us Christ, his son, to redeem the world. Now, in my opinion, that was a beautiful, beautiful statement uh, by President Trump. Now, I know what some people might be thinking here. Some people are going to sit here and say, and I understand it because I was saying that at first, too. Some people are going to say, he's only saying this for votes. He's only saying this because he wants to get votes. I totally understand that until we look at the book of 1 John uh, chapter 4. Now, it goes like this. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, that verse pretty much corroborates what I, what I said before. And some people will say, you know, some people who claim to be Christian because the thing is that you cannot support abortion and be a Christian. It just, no, you can't, no, 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 no. 
Um, so some people will say, oh, well, Trump's a bad guy. He's doing it for votes. I'm voting for Joe Biden. But here's the thing. I always tell them, if you are a Christian and you believe that Christ is your Lord and Savior and you follow Christ, how come Joe Biden is not up there recognizing Christ coming in the flesh? That's the question. And that's something that they won't be able to answer. You go ahead and try to answer, try to uh, ask them that, and they won't be able to answer it. Because here's the thing: I don't care about party. I don't care about who the people are. Okay, so, so I, I'm not gonna say it. Donald Trump, he's done nothing for me. The only thing he's okay, I'll, I'll take that back. So he, the only thing Donald Trump has ever done for me is proclaim that Christ is God and and claim that Christ came in the flesh. That is the only thing he's ever done for me, and he's made me laugh too because he's pretty funny. But how come Joe Biden and the Democrats aren't doing that? They took the Democrats took under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. And so something like that is pretty much indefensible. You know, when I'm talking about people who claim to follow Christ, right? Because these people will claim to follow Christ and then they'll vote for people who support abortion. You know, that is a total like uh, renunciation of your faith to know that God is against abortion and then to vote for somebody who is a proponent, a proponent of abortion. That is a total uh, blatant uh, violation of uh, God's law there. All right, and so I got about 16 minutes left. So I'm going to run you through some of the things that have been uh, going on now. So I did before talk about her. Uh, Andrew Cuomo was pretty much uh, Andrew Cuomo's pretty much catching heat for all the things that he's been doing, you know, with the nursing homes and the lockdowns and things like that. And also, these sexual assault allegations are coming out against Cuomo, and even the DOJ uh, has said that Cuomo is guilty, right? And so, there's a, an accuser of Andrew Cuomo. Uh, her name is Brittany Commisso. Com she alleges that the New York governor groped her in the executive mansion. And she says that Cuomo thinks that he's untouchable. And, yeah, Cu Cuomo's a thug, okay? And so the California GOP votes to not endorse any candidate in the coming uh, Gavin, News Gavin Newsom recall election. Now, now that uh, the California Republican Party is uh, useless. Uh, there's only one person I uh, even respect in the California Republican Party. That's uh, Devin Nunes. I wish Devin Nunes would run for governor, but that's just me. I know Devin Nunes uh, feels that he'll be more effective in the assembly. Then he will uh, as the executive of California. That's unfortunate, but uh, I hope Larry Elder gets in there. And so, yeah, you're just seeing. So, California, according to the AP, uh, they're saying the, the California Republican Party is not going to endorse a candidate in September over concerns that throwing their support behind one of the Republican candidates would divide the party and lead voters to stay home. Uh, it's absolutely pathetic. So it says roughly 90% of the delegates who were at the party's virtual meetings supported not endorsing one candidate. The AP noted they were reportedly planning on choosing which candidate candidate to endorse, uh, out of a small group of four, according to Politico. So, California Republican Party, useless, feckless, spineless. Uh, what are they good for? If done nothing, they're just weak. I mean, you know, the Democrats have a supermajority, and the California Republican Party just sits there and, and bends over and takes it. All right, so the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, yeah, he actually signed the HB 2466 that uh, strengthens the protections for victims of child sexual abuse. And we know exactly why that is, because the enemy, uh, they are pretty much their pedophiles. And we know that from Jeffrey Epstein's... Um, temple on his island and everything like that, the Luciferian temple and things like that. And then you had the owls on there and the goddess Athena and 
things like that. So uh, we know that people like Bill Clinton have been on that flight many times. And I told you that I heard from the grapevine that uh, Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, has been on that flight as well. And I also hear from the great from the grapevine that Chief Justice John Roberts, while on the island, said that uh, he didn't like Donald Trump. or was saying disparaging things about Donald Trump. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Uh, I can't verify. I just want to let you all know some of the things that I hear. Now, there's a poll from Breitbart.com that says most Americans view political correctness as a threat to uh, free speech. And they said 65% of them uh, agreed, 22% uh, disagreed. That's a scary number. That should be 100%. And so I, uh, I want to show you from Disclose.tv. They put this out on Telegram. I said... Biden administration's no, new no-boots-on-the-ground battle plan for Afghanistan uh, was confirmed by United States officials. So pretty much the U.S. military was deploying uh, AC-130 gunships, MQ-9 Reaper drones, and B-52s, F-18s to strike the Taliban and boof, boost Afghanistan's security forces. Now, we know that Joe Biden pulled out of Afghanistan. And so what usually happens, you know, Barack Obama kind of did the same thing. So what usually happens uh, when you pull out of these countries in the Middle East is that uh, you know, a lot of times the United States will do regime change and do these foreign wars and spend our tax dollars. And so after you do these regime change wars and things like that, spending our tax dollars. So and then you decide to leave. And guess what? A new terrorist group or a new terrorist leader will take over. It's always just a battle royale for whoever's going to take over. You know, they're, they're always just fighting. So bad move, I think, to um, move out of Afghanistan so soon because it just created more problems because uh, the Pentagon said on Monday that the security situation in Afghanistan was, quote, not going in the right direction, unquote, as the Taliban actually captured a sixth provincial Afghan capital. OK, so you just left them. You left uh, you left the uh, our Afghanistan allies high and dry and the Taliban started capturing uh, capitals over there. So, uh, yeah, great job. So the prime minister of Australia his approval rating hit an 18-month low over his handling of the pandemic and advocating for more lockdowns. It comes from Reuters.com. Now, we all, I think, I'm pretty sure you've all heard about this birthday bash. So, Barack Obama recently turned 60. The big 6-0, right? And so, he actually had a, a birthday bash that had, like, at least 500 people. I heard it was 700, but I'll just say, to be safe, I'll hear at least 500 people. And there was no mask, no social distancing and things like that. And people were just doing whatever they want. There's actually footage and pictures of Barack Obama just dancing and things like that. And after the public pretty much found out about it, all these people were like forced to delete their Instagram posts and things like that. And so uh, it comes from, uh, you know, on Twitter, a gentleman by the name of Caleb Hole tweeted out a picture that said, celebrities descend on Martha's Vineyard for Obama's bash. So that came on august 7th and so john legend uh john legend was actually um at the birthday bash now john legend now you probably know his wife chrissy teigen chrissy teigen that looks like a care bear now um john legend actually tweeted out on august 2nd of this year he said being unvaccinated and or unmasked at a large indoor gathering is like literally begging to get covid please don't do that to yourself to your family or to your neighbors unquote so pretty much uh, rules for thee not for me um pretty much being a hypocrite and hypocrisy there you go there it is because uh, there's out there having the birthday bash and then we have to wear masks even though you're um even though you're vaccinated you still have to wear a mask like i told my friends my group chat 
I told him, uh, I was like, I said, Barack Obama had a birthday party with 500 people, no masks, no social distancing. That should tell you all that we need to know about it. And then, you know, um, he said, one of my friends said, were they vaccinated? And no, no one really answered. But um, the thing is that the CDC and the WHO were saying that you need to wear a mask even if you're vaccinated. You know, it's 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 just totally ridiculous. And one thing, it's just crazy. Like these, like you know, a lot of the left wing voters are like low information voters, so they only come out um, during you know election seasons. They might see it on social media and things like that, and they just listen to their friends and look at CNN, and then they then the TV will tell them what to think because social. We all know that social media. Uh, Hollywood and big tech all think the same, right? And so that's what you're shown most of because we all see social media and big tech, you know, those, those things on our phones. So that's what we're exposed to a lot of the times. And so those people don't know what to think. They don't question anything. So they just go right along with it. And then they'll just vote for whoever uh, is told, uh, whoever t- whoever they're told to vote for. They usually vote for the Democrats because the things that the low information voter who doesn't know anything, um, they usually vote for the Democrats because the Democrats are pretty much... Uh, I'm not saying that the Republicans are great either. I'm just saying that the Democrats are pretty much the secular party. And pretty much they tell people, do whatever you want, do your thing, you know, uh, live life, you know, homosexuality is okay, abortion's okay. That's what they tell people. So pretty much people are going to go on along with that. And they always use arguments like, why don't you want women to control their bodies? And, you know, it's just things like that. And it, it sounds good to the, to, the, uh, to the flesh. But then, uh, you know, if you stand upon God's law, you know that God is not okay with that. God did not allow that, but God gives free will. Because a lot of times when you're telling people about God, they're like, where was God when such and such happened? And why did God allow this? Well, the answer to that is that God allows people to have free will because God does not want machines as servants. He wants people who choose to follow him uh, of their own volition. And when all these things happen in life, you know, God, God, it's just like, so say you have a group of friends and you want to see who's really down for you, who's really your friend, who's really going to stick with you. God is pretty much the same way, even though God knows it's going to happen. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. But pretty much God is putting us through the ringer, through the test to see, OK, are you going to stick with me? Are you with me? Are you down for me? Are you going to ride for me? Uh, are, can I count on you? You can count on me, but can I count on you to uphold um, my laws and be faithful because I'm going to be faithful. Are you going to be faithful? So God is pretty much he's God is trying to see who see who his rough riders are. OK, that's what he's pretty much doing. He's been doing that since the beginning of time. It's like just like God always gives you a chance to do things. It's like remember when in the book of Genesis, when Cain killed his brother Abel and God goes up to Cain and says, Cain, where's your brother? God knew exactly where Abel was. You know, because God goes on and says, oh, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. God knew exactly where Abel was. So the question is, why would God ask that? Well, God would ask that because he was giving Cain a chance to say, look, I blew it. I'm sorry. I did wrong. Okay. And that's what God gives us a chance to do every single day. Because there's going to come a time in a lot of people's lives or even after they die, uh, they might, they're not going to go to heaven. And then they're going to wish that they could hear the word repent one more time and we don't we're not going to be those people we don't want to be those people but anyways i do think it's strange that fauci has hasn't said a word about barack obama's party and how uh, he says he never said anything about how it's going to be a super spreader or anything like that and that's kind of crazy and so the governor of virginia ralph northam he announced the covid19 vaccine requirement for state workers remember uh, governor ralph northam is the same guy who 
he supports live birth abortions and things like that. Talking about how they'll keep the fetus alive for a little bit and they'll kill it later and things like that. And he's the same guy who did the blackface and things like that. But since he's a Democrat, I guess it's okay for him to do blackface. And no one really jumped on him about it. And I already said before that the Pentagon is going to require troops to get vaccines by September 15th. And so because of a lot of these things, we're seeing a we-will-not-comply anti-vax protest in New York. They're saying we will not comply, and they are protesting in New York. And there's actually a picture here, a poster here, of somebody uh, who had beheaded the Statue of Liberty and is holding her head up. And uh, I will talk about the Statue of Liberty a little bit later. It's actually, the Statue of Liberty is actually... um, Aphrodite, the goddess Aphrodite. Now, I'm not going to get into that today. Uh, That's a story for another uh, segment. And so we know that the government has been going through these variants now, you know, the Delta variants, and we're at the Delta variant now. They're saying, I actually saw a post on Reddit that said the Lambda variant arrives in the United States or somewhere. So the Lambda variant pretty much arrives somewhere. And you're going to have your people going around saying the Lambda variant, Lambda variant, just like they did with the Delta variant. And you're going to have to ask them, like, do you hear yourself right now? Because you were saying Delta, Delta, Delta. Now it's Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Maybe the third time is the charm. And I think after Lambda is Epsilon, if I'm not mistaken. So I think it's going to be Epsilon, Epsilon, Epsilon. And then you're going to be like, dude, come on now. How long, How many times are you going to do this? Every time that the government tells you to say something, you're just going to uh, parrot it. So seeing from uh, the times of Israel.com, they're saying that 14 Israelis who got their third shot were later infected with COVID-19. Because, you know, they're going to say, oh, you need a booster shot, you need a booster shot. It's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no. Not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, We will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, We will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am. 
I'm not a career politician. I practiced medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology, and I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr. Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science, and I've been proven right time and time again. All right, so that was a clip from Rand Paul telling you to choose freedom. Of, he's has he goes on for about uh, about forty five more seconds. So if you want to hear that, you can go to Rand Paul. You can go to YouTube, type in Rand Paul, and then the word channel C H A N N E L, because you have to go straight to his YouTube channel to see it. Because you know YouTube is suppressing things like that, uh, and all you'll get is the mainstream media and their take on what Rand Paul had to say, but if you want to hear it from, straight from the source, go ahead and look that up on YouTube. You know what? I think I'm going to be here for an hour today. I didn't plan on going this long, but hey, let's keep it going because I got I want to finish this. I really do. So in Georgia, there were ballots that were rejected by machines um, that were later altered by election workers to actually count. So some of the ballots would be invalid. And then they would digitally alter the ballots in order to count them. So it says uh, there are records obtained by Just the News that provide unprecedented glimpses into human adjudication of thousands of ballots where uh, marks for candidates like Trump were sometimes removed so ballots could count for Joe Biden. A day after the November 3rd election, as Donald Trump and other Republican candidates clung to evaporating leads in Georgia, Vote uh, counters in Atlanta were confronted by a paper ballot known only by its number 5150232-18. And so a Dominion voting machine had rejected the ballot on election night because the voter had filled in both boxes for Trump and his Democrat opponent, Joe Biden, an error that was known as an overvote. The machine determined neither candidate should get a tally, and the ballot was referred for human error. An image of the ballot obtained by Justin News shows the massive, excuse me, shows the vo- voter messily scribbled a large blob in the box next to Trump as president, while also putting a thinner check mark next to Biden's name. At 6:10 p.m. on November 4th, 24 hours after the first ballot, excuse me, 24 hours after the ballot was first scanned and rejected by the machines. Uh, 5150, a panel of humans decided that the vote should be awarded to Joe Biden with the notation, quote, Mark removed for Donald J. Trump, unquote. And then there's actually pictures where you can see the see the pictures of that. OK, so uh, a gentleman by the name of John Solomon put out on Twitter, he said Georgia ballots have been rejected by the machines. And then Kelly Ward of Arizona responded and she quoted the tweet and said, I believe the county election department testified that there were over 200,000 digitally adjudicated ballots in Maricopa County. Huh. Isn't that interesting? So pretty much Trump's enemies did everything they could throughout his presidency to get him out of office. And when nothing worked and Trump was going to win by a landslide, Trump's enemies were forced to alter the election results uh, using the voting machines. And two, uh, these, excuse me, these two facts are important because in order for the military to take an active role in this, they needed a legal reason for doing so. And CCP involvement was their reason. Remember, I told you that the Dominion machines came from China, had spyware on them because you know what, that's what China does. And then they had SQL data on them that allows people to manipulate the databases, right? So one of the things I was uh, looking at here 
Uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Dan Daniel Scavino Jr. So Trump actually met Dan Scavino on the golf course in 1990, and he's always been one of Trump's closest um, friends and confidants. So Scavino is obviously in the know uh, because of some tweets that we've seen from him, and he actually took a there was actually a photo that he posted, and it was on uh, October 26th of 2019, and it says that the ISIS leader Abu Baghdadi is dead. And the picture shows that he was pretty much informed on national security operations as well as counterterrorism uh, operations, uh, because you see who else is with him in the uh, in the photo, like people like Lindsey Graham, Cash Patel, and things like that. People who investigate all these uh, national security uh, national security uh, issues. People like Christopher Miller, Miller, who was serving as a counterterrorism advisor on the United States. Uh, National Security Council, and Cash Patel again, who is serving as a senior director on the Counterterrorism Directorate at the United States National Security Council. And on December 15th of 2020, Scavino actually tweeted a picture of Trump and a couple people in the White House. And it is, there's a photo here, but one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven people in there, including the Vice President of the United States. And they're in the Oval Office, and this is 2020, December 15th, 2020. And if you look at the photo here, well, you might not be able to find, but I'm looking at the photo here, and it says uh, Dan Scavino say that says that this is a historical moment in the Oval Office, and he says he'll share what it was one of these days when he's able to. Now I wonder what that really was because he can't share it now. But if you look in the back, in the background, you see green trees outside behind the president because you know the president sits in front of windows and see you see green green trees uh, outside uh, behind the president and there wouldn't be green trees outside of the window in december because remember scavino tweeted this out on december 15th of 2020 and in washington dc in december it's snowing pretty pretty heavily and there wouldn't be green trees outside in the middle of december now Clearly, the picture had to be taken during warmer weather. So, um, it actually was posted, excuse me, it was actually a picture from Scavino's Facebook page uh, from June 1st of 2020. Now, the picture is clearly uh, from the same meeting that he set out, uh, you know, that he set out on December 15th. And there's actually a caption that says, President Donald Trump, joined by VP Mike Pence and senior White House staff, work on the president's address uh, Monday, June, June 1st, 2020, in the Oval Office, prior to delivering his remarks in the Rose Garden of the White House. And so the first picture, uh, in, excuse me, the picture in the June 1st tweet was taken while they were preparing his address to the nation uh, regarding the riots in Antifa. And this is actually the same address where he actually threatens to mobilize the military. And so on June 1st, Trump urges governors to deploy the National Guard, and Trump actually threatens that he would mobilize every available federal force, both civilian and military, to end these violent protests. And then on the same day, June 1st, Trump actually made the surprise visit, surprise visit to, to St. John's Church, where he did the photo op, and he was holding up the Bible. And, and I'm just going to tell you now that Trump was actually just choosing his sides, because you have to remember, Trump was part of the enemy, part of the globalists for a long time, giving money to people like Chuck Schumer and Hillary Clinton, and they went to his wedding. He was really part of those people for a, for a long time. I don't know when his mind changed, but uh, it did, thank God. And um, he actually was holding the Bible in front of... Uh, the church in the picture and pretty much what he was doing he was choosing a side he was choosing god's side against the globalists and against satan right 
And on the same day, June 1st, um, hours after the St. John's picture I just talked to you, told you about, the, an FBI spy plane started surveilling the Washington, D.C. protest. So it was a little bit before 11 p.m. on Monday, June 1st, um, a couple hours after the federal police tear gassed and used batons to clear the protesters from the White House lawn for President Trump's photo op at St. John's. And there was actually a Cessna citation jet that took off from Manassas Regional Airport in Virginia. Uh, and until about 1.30 a.m., it flew in a seven-mile radius, uh, a circle, uh, around central Washington, D.C., surveilling the protests. Flight tracking records are showing this. So, what was that? About two and a half hours, the plane flew in a seven-mile circle, right? The, the aircraft is a one-of-a-kind spy plane operated by the FBI that was fitted with sophisticated cameras for long-range, persistent video surveillance day or night. It repeated its late-night circling around the city, as protests continued the following two nights and made a shorter flight on June 6th. So pretty much what I can gather is that the military actually knew before June 1st that there were actually foreign actors involved in the riots, but they didn't get involved like publicly until it got to the point that the city and state governments failed uh, in their duty to protect the citizens of their states and cities. So I can gather here that June 1st of 2020 is the day that the military became actively involved in investigating Antifa. So when we look at Dan Scavino's original tweet, look back there, you know, the Oval Office and the green trees I was talking about. So why didn't he just say it was a historic moment when he released the first picture from the meeting on June 1st? And uh, why was a picture of this meeting a historic moment when it was shared again from a different angle on December 15th. Because remember, he shared it first on June 1st, and then he shared it on December 15th. The first time he shared it on June 1st, he just said that they were in there talking about the riots and things. And then on December 15th, he shares the same photo and says that it's a historical uh, or historic event. Now, what what's so significant about December 15th of 2020? I don't know. But there's actually a lot of important, th uh, important things happening around that time. Now, the first thing is to point out is December 18th of 2020. And that was actually the date that the intelligence community community was supposed to submit its assessment on foreign threats to the United States, uh, 2020 election as required by executive order one, three, eight, four, eight. And I want you to keep that in mind as I keep going. So pretty much there, you can gather that, uh, Trump pretty much knew that there was going to be foreign interference in the election and pretty much made the executive order to order the intelligence community to submit the assessment about it. Now, during the Trump presidency, there's a gentleman by the name of John Ratcliffe, and he was the DNI. And when I say DNI, that's the director of national intelligence. And uh, he actually posted this to Twitter on December 12th of 2020. There's a picture of him in front of a helicopter, uh, Air Force One. And he says, I'm traveling with President Trump to honor America's armed forces at today's Army-Navy game, college football's greatest rivalry. And so it's kind of interesting when you have somebody like John Ratcliffe because, you know, the DNI, the director of national intelligence, you know, he's pretty much an intelligence. He's the top dog. He's the top dog there. He knows all the secrets and things like that. Right. And so the Washington Examiner dot com had a article. Um, the article is actually from July 28th of 2019. And John Ratcliffe says that A.G. William Barr will deliver to deliver justice to any Obama officials who committed crimes. Now, John Ratcliffe actually said during a Fox News interview 
that he trusts Attorney General William Barr and the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz uh, to do uh, to dish out this justice. So yeah, so on the twelfth, DNI Ratcliffe actually, you know, the the he posted the photo to Twitter where he said he was going to travel with President Trump. Right, and the next day on December thirteenth, President Trump pretty much uh, posts a tweet to Twitter that says, "Swing states that have found massive voter fraud, fraud, which is all of them, cannot legally certify these votes as complete and correct without committing a ser- severely punishable crime." Everybody knows that dead people, people below age, illegal immigrants, fake signatures, prisoners, and many others voted illegally. Also, machine glitches. Ballot harvesting non-resident voters, fake ballots stuffing the ballot box, votes for pay, roughed up Republican poll watchers, and sometimes even more votes than people voting. It took place in Detroit, Philly, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and elsewhere. In all swing state cases, there are far more votes than necessary to win the state and the election itself. Therefore, votes cannot be certified. This election is under protest. So, yeah, Trump pretty much puts that out. Uh... The next day, after DNI Radcliffe uh, says his spiel, and so I did briefly mention uh, Executive Order One Four Eight One Three Eight Four Eight that talked about the uh, how the intelligence community had to pretty much submit their assessment of foreign interference in the election to the executive branch, and so part of I'm going to read to you part of what the executive order says. And so it says it goes on it says. No later than 45 days after the conclusion of the United States election, the DNI, along with others, is to conduct an assessment of any information showing foreign interference in our elections. One of the members receiving this assessment is the Secretary of Defense. Within 45 days of receiving that assessment, the AG and the Secretary of Homeland Security are to make a report evaluating, one, how badly foreign interference affected the security and integrity of our election infrastructure, counting of votes, transmissions of results, and two, if the foreign interference targeted election infrastructure relating to specific campaigns or candidates and how it could have affected the campaign's information or data. Next, one of the members receiving that report of, you know, we're talking about the intelligence report on the uh, foreign interference in the election is the Secretary of Defense. Now, the report is to include include recommendations, if appropriate, regarding remedial actions to be taken by the United States government other than this sanctions. This means at, that at any time, the head of any agency or any other appropriate official may tender to the president any analysis, information, assessment, or evaluation of foreign interference in a U.S. election. This also means that if an appropriate official has any information that indicates foreign interference in a U.S. election, they can submit that information to the president in an independent report. Hypothetically speaking, if our military were to come across any information showing foreign interference in a U.S. election, they could report it directly to the president in an independent report and do so at any time. They could completely bypass the heads of other agencies and they don't have to stick to the 45-day timeline. So because of this, you know, we saw Donald Trump, um, you know, DNI Radcliffe and Donald Trump were traveling together on December 12th, and then the next day, um, Trump tweeted all these things out about the election. And so, be, and so, why did Trump tweet all those things out about election interference and the election fraud? Uh, I th- believe that it's because on the 12th, when Radcliffe and Trump were traveling together, that Ratcliffe showed Trump that China interfered in our election and that the intelligence community was pretty much covering 
up the interference. And so DNI Ratcliffe actually released a memo that was titled, quote, Views on Intelligence Community Election Security Analysis, unquote. And then so here's the first paragraph of the memo. It reads, it says, from my unique vantage point as the individual who consumes all of the United States government's most sensitive intelligence on the People's Republic of China, I do not believe the majority view expressed by the intelligence community analysts fully and accurately reflects the scope of the Chinese government's efforts to influence the 2020 uh, U.S. federal elections. And so before I even put this out, on December 3rd of 2020, uh, Ratcliffe actually wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that was t titled, quote, China is national security threat number one, unquote. So I'm going to read a couple highlighted parts. It says, uh, as the director of national intelligence, I am entrusted with access to more intelligence than any member of the U.S. government other than the president. The People's Republic of China poses the greatest threat to America today and the greatest threat to democracy and freedom. Uh, worldwide since World War II. This year, China engaged in a massive influence campaign that included targeting several dozen members of Congress and congressional aides. But today, we must look with clear eyes at the facts in front of us, which make plain that China should be America's primary national security focus going forward. China believes that a global order without itself at the top is a historical aberration. It aims to change that and reverse the spread of liberty around the world. Beijing is preparing for an open-ended period of confrontation with the United States. Washington should also be prepared. The intelligence is clear. Our response must be as well. And so what is one of the missions of the United States Space Force? It's cyber intelligence and things like that. And so the United States Space Force even calls itself uh, the Guardians. Now, I, I do think it's interesting that the United States Space Force gets all that intelligence right into the cybersecurity and the intelligence and things like that and then the Biden administration doesn't even have a line to the United States Space Force huh it's really really interesting how that works out so I'm actually pretty sure that the United States Space Force saw the foreign interference as it was actually happening and they were actually I think that they were ready to act as needed but they're actually waiting for the constitutional process to play out and uh, they actually gave the intelligence community a chance to do their job as required by executive order 13848 which means that, you know, the one that you had to uh, give the assessment on foreign interference. And so the military actually waited until it was obvious that the intelligence community was going to allow the election to be stolen. And they had failed their duty to protect the citizens of the United States. And so with all this stuff, I think that the military was planning the devolution um, pretty much of the United States. And pretty much devolution is pretty much it's the statutory delegation of powers from the central government of a sovereign state to govern at a sub-national level, such as like a regional or local level. So pretty much it's a form of administration decentralization, okay? Pretty much uh, delegating the central powers to other places, um, taking the power from Washington, D.C., and putting it somewhere else. And you already know the only way to take power away from these people, these evil people in D.C., which is foreign territory, the only way to take power from them is by force of law with things like the military. And so I do also think it was interesting uh, when Donald Trump actually called himself a wartime president. Uh, you can actually look it up. I think it was about March 19th of 2020. He called himself a wartime president. And so my last thing here is that there was a letter um, that Mike Pence wrote on January 6th of 2021. And he was talking about um, uh, pretty much the certification of the uh, electoral votes. And pretty much he was saying that uh, it's not his duty to interject and change the process he just has to the constitution tells him that he has to count 
the votes regardless of however they've been certified. However they have been certified, whether fraudulently or truthfully, he has to count them regardless. Now, uh, he says, under our Constitution, it will be my duty as vice president and president of the Senate to serve as the presiding officer. I share the concerns of many millions of Americans about the integrity of this election. The American people choose the president and have every right under the law to demand free and fair elections and a full investigation of electoral misconduct. And the elected representatives of the American people will make their decision. So pretty much... Um, Pence is pretty much telling us that he has doubts about the legitimacy of the 2020 election as well. He goes on and says, The president is the chief executive of the federal government under our Constitution, possessing immense power to impact the lives of the American people. The presidency belongs to the American people and to them alone. It is the people's representatives who review the evidence and resolve disputes through a democratic process. Now, he's telling us that the presidency belongs to the American people. Remember in Trump's inauguration speech, he said that he was going to return the power to the people. And uh, I'm sure he's telling us that he knows that there is election interference and he could be talking about when he talks about the people's representatives reviewing the evidence and through a democratic process. I think that he might be talking about the forensic audits of the election. And so he goes on, he says. Now, mind you, I'm not reading the entire thing. I'm reading uh, certain select parts. He says. Vice presidents presiding over joint sessions have uniformly followed the Electoral Count Act, conducting the proceedings in an orderly manner, even where the count resulted in the defeat of their party or their own candidacy. He is not invested, meaning the vice president, is not invested with any authority for making any investigation outside of the joint meeting of the two houses. If any examination at all is to be gone into or any judgment exercised in relation to the votes received, it must be performed and exercised by the two houses, the House and Senate. The only responsibility and power of the vice president under, under the Constitution is to faithfully count the Electoral College votes as they have been cast. The Constitution does not empower the vice president to alter in any way the votes that have been cast either by rejecting certain votes or otherwise. So right there, the former vice president was telling us that his only responsibility and power is to count the electoral college votes as they have been cast i'm sure that he knows that they were cast fraudulently but his constitutional role prevents him from acting upon that right he says my oath to support and defend the constitution constrains me from claiming unilateral authority to undermine excuse me to determine which electoral votes should be counted and which should not the role of congress is much different and the Electoral Count Act of 1887 establishes a clear procedure to address election controversies when they arise during the count of the vote of the Electoral College. I welcome the efforts of the Senate and House members who have stepped forward to use their authority under the law to raise objections and present evidence. Today, it will be my duty to preside when the Congress convenes in joint sessions to count the votes of the Electoral College. I ask only that representatives and senators who will assemble before me approach this moment with the same sense of duty and open mind setting setting politics and personal interests aside and and do our part to faithfully discharge our duties under the constitution he goes on and says i took an oath to support and defend the constitution so help me god today i want to assure assure the american people that i will keep the oath i made to them and i will keep the oath i made to almighty god when the joint session of congress convenes today i will do my duty to see to it that we open the cert certificates of the electors of the several states. We hear objections raised by senators and representatives, and we count the votes of the Electoral College for president and vice president in a manner consistent with our Constitution, laws, and history. 
So help me God. Now, um, so Pence was pretty much assuring us he uh, assuring us that he would keep his oath to the Constitution, to the American people, and to God. And it kind of like makes me think like since you know he knows there was uh, foreign interference in the election, I think that there was foreign interfection. Uh, <laughs> foreign interference in the election of a lot of these people in the house and senate as well now how many of these people should not be in the house and senate okay how many of these people i don't know it's a good it's a good question to ask and so i want you to know i'm going to read to you a couple verses from the book of nahum nahum chapter one it goes like this it says a, pro- a prophecy cons- concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and, and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, the world and all who live in it. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. The Lord is good a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him, but with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end of Nineveh. He will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness. Whatever they plot against the Lord, he will bring to an end. Trouble will not come a second time. They will be entangled among thorns and be drunk from their wine. They will be consumed like dry stubble. From you, Nineveh, has one come forth who plots evil against the Lord and devises wicked plans. This is what the Lord says. Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I have afflicted you, Judah, I will afflict you no more. Now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. The Lord has given a command concerning you, Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. I will destroy the images and idols that are in the temple of your gods. I will prepare your grave, for you are vile. 